Hey, hey, welcome to the Roof Strategist Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Benzman. You're listening to the number one resource for free roofing sales training. Tune in for new episodes every week right here or on YouTube to learn how to market yourself, generate leads, pitch like a pro, overcome objections, and close more sales. And whether you're a brand new salesperson, a seasoned pro, or an owner or sales manager growing your team, pay close attention because I have an offer you don't want to pass up. I'd like to give you my Pitch Like a Pro roofing sales training video library completely free. You'll get instant access to over 120 sales training videos organized by category that can take you from zero to hero in a heartbeat. Head on over to theroofstrategist.com right now to get my Pitch Like a Pro roofing sales training video library completely free. That's theroofstrategist.com. Now let's hop into today's episode. Dimitri, thank you. We're going to roll into part two, the controversial topics that I've tippy-toed around and what a better person to bring out the, the controversy. And I, I really, uh, I know you told me before you interviewed that you don't like people poofing each other up, but I'm just going to do one. I appreciate that you're willing to, to bring this level playing field to our industry and, and speak the things that many people have thought or wondered and given the folks that have been taken advantage of a voice. So thank you for that. Uh, in today's video, in part two, I'd love to chat about the controversial question that I know many owners are not going to like me for bringing up, when and why a sales rep should go out on their own. So let's get going. By the way, first, thank you for being back. No problem. Um, sales rep, on the, like, started their own business? Thank you. My wife even told me this morning. She goes, that video topic? Make sure you clarify what go out on your own means. So yes. Going out on their own, meaning starting your own business. I get this a lot, and we're going to go through it step by step, but wh wh who, let's start with the, with the basics. Who should be starting their own business? These are talking salespeople. Been in the industry, they've sold. Why should you go out on your own? Who is that person that should? I would say if you're an excellent sales rep, uh, I would not recommend you to go on your own if you do have a good company. So I would say if you're making north of 150000 a year, you have good lifestyle, good work-life balance, uh, maybe you don't have to door knock as much, like maybe, maybe you almost became like an order taker. And I meet a lot of those guys. You have solid brand, you don't have bad energy with the culture, you just want to stay there. I promise you you will probably not find a better place even if you go on your own to make 150k in um, being owner operator you your world will be absolutely different stress level work-life balance everything will be disturbed and most likely you will even regret it yeah so if stay if you good, have good work-life balance if you're making 150 a year if company understands you and if it's also repeatable like if you've done it for three years straight, there's no reason to move. Now, um, I would go on my own if I know my numbers, I'm mature enough to run a business. If you have good, if you consider yourself a good leader, business is nothing but being a good leader. Just because you're good in sales does not make you a good leader. Just because you can sell does not make you good at numbers. You, like, if, I'll give you an example. If you don't know how much you spend per month on gas or food, it's red flag for me. You should know. In business, every penny matters. You should know your numbers. You know, sales guys usually like to spend. We're spenders. 
You know, they, they spend, they sell. They spend, they sell. And that makes the worst business owner. <laughs> business is tough. You have to stack up your cash. Many people don't like it. If you're a spender, most likely you will be paying people too much as well. You will be paying for stuff that you shouldn't be paying, but you also will not be paying for important stuff because it's not important to you. So for business owners, um, for sales guys who wants to become a business owner, you, you need to be business ownership. It's not being a sales uh, rep. Comple people, th just because, listen, I'll elaborate a little bit more of it. Just because you run 10, you've been 1099 and you think you're a business owner does not make you a business. I, I think it's the biggest trick in the industry. Yeah. Not only between sales guys and owners, but also between subs. So many subs think they run a business when they are 1099. No, you're a glorified employee. As a sales rep, you're a glorified employee. You're a service provider. Exactly. So you're not a business owner yet. There's too many things. And, and if you hate that, if you, if you ha hate paperwork, if you hate taxes, if you hate, uh, you know, d doing all the business stuff, then I'm telling you, it's going to destroy you. It's, yeah. it's absolutely going to destroy you. What are the top three things that most people, most sales reps that start a business don't realize that you and I hear from them both? They start the business and then it's like, what did I get myself into? What are the three biggest things that they learned the hard way and didn't realize? The blind spot, I didn't sure. know. What are those top three Number things? Number one is overhead. They don't understand what it really takes to run a business. Because when you're in sales, it just, it's commission, it's check, it's, it's your weekly revenue. When you run a business, you might be bringing 100,000 a month and you might be losing 20,000 a month. Mm -hmm seen it time and time again exactly overhead to calculate overhead profitability has nothing to do with the single jobs each one of your jobs in your sales guys jobs might be profitable but as a business you still might be losing so that's mm -hmm. number one number two uh, dealing with the people and complaints unreasonable people on all levels yeah. I'm talking about employees I'm talking about crazy homeowners so now when you're a sales rep it's it's much easier to place. You will probably get one or two uh, crazy customers. You know, for every hundred clients, you might have like three bad ones. Now, number, numbers vary. I'm only laughing at the amount of time. I spent probably 20% of my time as COO dealing with those three. Mm -hmm. And sorry to interrupt well, you. But, but that's the thing. So now you're a firefighter. Imagine your life when your life consists only dealing with fires. Now you don't have a good clients. Yeah. Like you, because your time will be, you know, in legal department, people who don't pay your bills, and and it's also different lifestyle now. Like yeah. business owners are firefighters. You know, like as a sales rep, you used to go picking up checks. Uh, as a business owner, now you're chasing people who are not paying you on time or not paying you at all. On top of that, there's insurance companies. On top of them, there's salespeople just like you used to be, who has disputes with you. On top of that, there is unreasonable workers, crews. I mean, there's so many issues. Dealing with people is hard. And that's what salespeople don't understand, how many people with business owners actually touching in this business. I mean, you're talking about accountants, legal, you're talking about government, OSHA. I mean, there's, there's circle after circle after circle. I mean, 
when OSHA adjuster or CD adjuster calls you, listen, they're not going to talk to your manager. They always want to talk to the mm -hmm. owner. There's only so many gatekeepers you can put on, but sooner or later they'll get to you and they'll get to start affecting yeah. you. Let's talk cash flow then. Most, most folks don't realize how much cash is going to go out before you start collecting. Sure. So how does that work for someone who, who doesn't, under, doesn't really quite know? Because what happens, again, just to frame this question, this is the, this is the big uh, appeal. A, a rep sees a, a profit-sharing commission, mm -hmm. and they, they believe that company's making all this money, the owner. They think that that's like the owner's commission. That's not going in his or exactly. her pocket. It is unrealistic to think all of that money, even if overhead's taken out, is going in that pocket. So... What does that look like cash flow for a company, a young company getting started? I mean, I'll put it this way. Um, if you're doing million a year, that's one man company. If you have three people working for $1 million operation, I'm telling you right now, the business is uh, check to check basis, like mm -hmm. at best, if they're not losing money. Now, if you're charging 275 a square, you lose the money. <laughs> if you're charging 450 a square and you're yeah. doing million a year, you're breaking even. Uh, so when people tell me they, they run a $5 million company and they have 25 employees, I'm like, what? I mean, think about all the audits. You, you have to put um, cash in the reserve. So when you're the business owner, you have to pay yourself as little as possible. Like I'm talking about bare minimum wage. Like my first year in business, we did 950000 paid myself sixty grand. And I could have paid myself one forty, but I reinvested in business about fifty k. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very, very smart what you do with extra cash that you think you have. But also the biggest thing with the cash flow is never ever look at a bank account. It's not how much actually laying in your bank. You have to have QuickBooks and you have to have receivables and payables and they have to be reconciled on a daily basis. I remember days when we would have quarter million dollars in the bank, but I would call my account and say, what's our QuickBooks balances? And she's like, Dimitri, you're negative 20 grand. I'm like, how does it make sense? Because you need to understand just because you sold 100 jobs and you have all those um, down payments, think about what will happen if everybody cancels their jobs immediately. The commissions are still owned, materials order, I mean, it'll be a mess, but yeah. it can be done. I've met owners of $40 million Ponzi schemes, like, and actually talked to a few of my mentors who will tell you like those few companies in Texas that, who waive deductibles and stuff like that, if you take their, if you stop their sales, if the business would stop today and they have to return and pay everybody, they're broke. They're running Ponzi scheme. The only way to operate is because more cash mm -hmm. coming in, going out, but on paper, as a matter of fact, I'm getting emails from one of the people on the stage today. He just shared, uh, not even mention the name, but he just shared, in an email that in 2017 or 18, he was doing 10 million a year. Think, 10 million a year. And he owed a million dollars to ABC Supply and he did not have it. And I'm reading like, in one email, that's the information. Like, oh, I, like I had a hard year, I did 10. Like, dude, if you're doing 10 million a year and you cannot pay, pay 1 million to your supplier, 
something is terribly wrong in that business. You're either taking too much out, you're not selling enough. So I have a video called break even point. This is the most important metric that you can, it's actually, if you ask me my best video of all times, and I've done over 500 of them, that's the break even point. Break even point, okay. So, we'll so, put a link in the description below. Yep, so break even point, what it teaches you, like every business owner have to know. If you don't know what your break even point is, it's a red flag. So pretty much it goes like this. So how much, how many jobs do you have to sell per day to be profitable? Think about McDonald's. You go to McDonald's, they sell burger for how much? Like eight bucks, right? So is it profitable? It costs them like a dollar to make it. So each burger is profitable, correct? No, not necessarily. I mean, from the hard cost. Exactly. Yes. yes. So, but there's other number is how many do they have to sell per day of that burger? So if they sell 500 burgers in a day, they're probably gonna lose money. If they sell 3,000, they're probably gonna be break even. If they sell 4,000, they're gonna be really profitable. Mm -hmm. So like, just because you, sell, like, let's say you break even point to cover all your expenses, $300,000, but you all of a sudden sold 250,000 this month. So now you think, okay, we're $50,000 under our goal. Well, no, you $50,000 in red. While each job is profitable, each burger is profitable, mm -hmm. as a business, you're in red. Yeah. It's okay to be in red, you know, winter months, slow season, stuff like that. But that, that number is just, and if you don't know, I, I was in uh, Michigan and I asked them this question, $15 million company, GF Master Elite, 778,000 break-even point. So they know if they sold 700,000, boom. But many business owners don't know. So many people just focus on price per square mm -hmm. or commission trade. It, there, it's more complicated than that. You have yeah. to, and you need a good accountant to figure it out. So what you do is you calculate all your expenses, your gas, your food, your like your oil changes, your insurance, absolutely all expenses. And let's say it's 30,000 a month. Well, if it's 30,000 at 10% net, that gives me right there. So you have to sell three hundred thousand just to take thirty thousand for your overhead. And if you're selling two hundred thousand on average, you have to cut cost or increase sales. Yeah, and these are numbers that so many people they 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 fall into the the lure and excitement of misreading a profit sharing commission, mm -hmm. and they jump to these conclusions. And I have a, a newer client who's a young guy, super hungry. Um, he had over a half million in cash saved up in his 20s. And I think, I don't remember how much more beyond that, but I know that that half million, which sounds like a lot of money, he had a big team. He brought 10 guys in with them. They have explosive growth. Almost every penny he had to liquidate from his investments in the stock market wow. to pay because your labor bills and material bills are getting paid. And it's hard wow. to get a line of credit when you're brand new as a company. And all that cash is going out at a disproportionate rate from what you're bringing in. And those outbound collections start piling up as you get going. So, um, what, um, so let's wrap up with this. When do you know you're ready to start a business? I think <laughs> I start many businesses uh, when you either desperate enough that no matter what life will bring, you know, you're going to make it like for me, starting a business, it's a mental shift. You mentally have to be ready. Mm -hmm. um, I always tell people, if you have plan B, plan A is not going to happen. 
you're not ready if you have plan B. You're not ready, like I see guys going like, well, I'll do subs and I'll do this, or I'll sell and it's, no. If you think that you need a backup plan, don't even start. I'm okay with the backup plan of a full-time job, like on a Saturday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. When I started my business, I have, actually I was cutting grass on the Saturdays. <laughs> like, it's okay to have a gig, but you cannot have a job. And if you have a gig, it, it has to be a gig. You know it's temporarily. You tell yeah. people like, okay, I'll, I'll be a bartender at night just for the time. So you're not ready if you're not all in. And you're also not ready if you don't have a business plan. I know, like, I don't believe in the business plans in the roofing industry, but I believe in the plan. Like, you have to go in with some kind of execution. I'm mm -hmm. gonna do this, this, and this. For me, roofing, like, I actually tell people, in the first year, it's impossible. You go in and you capture as much as you can. It can be million dollars, two million, or three million. You cannot have a business plan. For the second year in business, you have to have a business plan. Yeah. You look at the previous numbers and you see what you can improve. But when I say business plan is what market you're going to do, what products you're going to install, uh, who you're going to buy from, who's going to do the work, like basic answers. If you don't have that, like I'm not talking about business plans like goal oriented sales. I'm mm -hmm. talking about who, when, how, like basic stuff. Where are you going to be like when people tell me I want to start a business, I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to sell everything? All the painting, all the fences. Like, no, you're not ready yet. Yeah. I'm going to be Malarkey, GF, or Atlas. I want to be there. I'm going to be covering 25 five miles radius. I'm going to be storm restoration or retail. Those are questions you have to answer. Are you going to do siding or not? Are you going to do windows or not? That's a business plan questions. What's, what's yeah. your business going to look like? Are you going to have a good name? Are you going to have a good brand? And then go all in. And if... Yeah. Like I would say this, in a nutshell, if you're not ready to wrap your vehicle from the first day in business and tell all your friends, family, hey, this is my brand. I wrapped it, it's gonna be franchise, like this is what I do now. I'm gonna be number one roofer in town. If you're not ready to do it, you're not ready to be in business. Yeah, so should the average roofing salesperson, and when I say average, this isn't to take away from, sure, sure, sure. from the human, but I mean, let's say there's 10,000 roofing salespeople. I know there's way more than that. Should the average person start their own roofing business or should they continue selling? Uh, in my personal experience, 90, 95% of sales guys out there will be better off selling for other people and staying in their lane. If you're good at sales and that's all you do and it satisfies you, find a good home for yourself that treats you right and keep selling because uh, to be a business owner, you have to be good at branding, you have to be good, because what's going to happen is you're going to start a business and you're going to be mediocre, mm -hmm. average and everything. You have to be superior, you have to be excellent. Great administrator, great marketer, it's very competitive. To start and grow a roofing business, you have to be workaholic, you have to be work harsh, 14 hour days, commitment, mm -hmm. the whole thing. Good at branding, good at marketing, good at people, good at accounting. Like only five percent of salespeople are good at all of those. Yeah. Now you can start a business because it's easy. You know, a couple hundred bucks, get an LLC. Just mm -hmm. because you. Get, but don't call yourself market leader or don't call yourself like legit. You yeah. know. Yeah, it's true, <laughs> and it's it's amazing how many owners I've talked with. I'm not going to share names because they've shared this in confidence that have told me, I feel like I built my prison cell 
because I am stuck. Mm -hmm. These people rely on me and they've said to me, I would be happier even if they earned less <laughs> selling for someone else and having no liability because it, all it takes is the one oopsie. I remember one year we had two $70,000 mistakes like that. And for, for, for a lot of people, $140,000 in, in oopsies could be crippling. You know, that's, that has to be paid for. And uh, being, feeling that level of trapped is different than the freedom of being a salesperson. And, and you can check that ego, right? And just be like, I'm out there. I think that salespeople should be proud of what they're doing. You know what you're good at. I'm not the operations guy. I didn't like that side. Right. I like the structures and systems, but the detail. But they start way. because they of bad treatment. They start yeah. for the wrong reason. To, just because someone mistreated you, it's it's not it's not a good reason to start, to start a business. It. You just find the right fit. So, yeah. best advice for someone in their very first year of business, what would you say? Best advice for pay yourself as less as possible, invest in your business as much as possible, and build a brand. It's all about branding, branding, branding. Um, bag for reviews like first year is easy to build a brand you have that effect of the small child when small child goes in the chair and, and reads a poem to you it doesn't have to be perfect people will forgive you mistakes mm -hmm. people will forgive you they will cheer for you so if you're first year in business take advantage of it your friends family like your community they will raise you up you're not gonna get that credit later in life mm -hmm. that's the only time you get it uh, I feel like build um, brand building first year. It's just like that's where every like you are rookie of the year. Like become that rookie of the year. You will get better later, but uh, build a brand and then let the build brand work for you later. Like when, first you work on your reviews and then your reviews work on you. If you listen, if you build, if you create 100 reviews, legit reviews in the first year in business. It'll be so much easier mm -hmm. second year in business. Yeah, it'll it, it's it's almost it's unfair. Like people and you will get start noticed right away by everyone. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna close on one one tough question. Sure. For a first year business person, if you had to pick one book that you were like, this is a must read book for a new business owner, what book would you recommend that they read? I really like L and Laura Rees, War in the Boardroom. That book changed my life. It's a marketing branding book, but every organization has this war within a company where uh, production always wants to do more and branding always wants to do less. There's a war. So you will, as a business owner, you will have uh, always dilemma like, should we do more services? Should we? I believe that doing less is doing more and Ellen Laurie's they, to work with companies like Hondas and Force, like big manufacturers, you know, if you look at Steve Jobs, what Steve Jobs did when he came back, you know, he got fired from Apple and came back. Best companies out there, they, they don't have a lot of services. You know, like Tesla, they have one in each model. Like the less services you do, the better. But you always will have temptation to do more. If you look at the best companies in the roofing, like which is, I just did an interview with a company who about to do 30, 40 million this year. They've been in business for five years. They would not touch nothing by the roofs. They don't go inside. Mm -hmm. They say no, you have, but you have to mentally be ready. Like I was that guy in the beginning, I was doing basement finishing, I was doing other, and my success started when I started telling people no, like no, I'm not a basement finishing yeah. business. I'm not gonna do painting, not gonna be drywall. But that book it will under, help you understand that war and how to win that war. Yeah.
Beautiful advice. Dimitri, thank you very much for being here for another interview. Thank you for having me. For having me. Yeah. Have you heard the uh, quote, um, an entrepreneur has a higher likelihood of dying of indigestion than they will of starvation? Yes. Yeah, I forget who said that, but that's a good one. Hey, thanks again for joining me on this episode of the Roof Strategist Podcast. If you are out on a roof or driving around in your truck, you'll find everything you need right there in the show notes, including links to all my products and services, or to download your free copy of my Pitch Like a Pro Roofing Sales Training Video Library. And remember, all of my content is built around one simple principle. You ask, I answer. So what would you like me to cover in an upcoming episode? Email me personally, Adam at roofstrategist.com. That's Adam at roofstrategist.com. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review for the podcast, and I'll see you next time.